News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 10 of the Luke Messias Show. This is your host, Luke Messias, with my trusted and devoted and consistent co-host, Raz Schaefer. How are you doing this morning, Raz? <laughs> I'm blessed, brother. Good to be here. So I should tell everybody that I, um, I was under anesthesia uh, at 8.30 this morning. I had a little uh, stomach procedure. Everything's fine. Uh, unfortunately for many big spending politicians, I'll still be around here for a little while longer, according to my doctor. Um, immediately following that though, I spoke very slowly. So if you need to listen to this at one and a half speed, I think I've gotten my normal cadence back, but if I'm slow or slur my words at all, I apologize. It's, uh, merely the medication surging through my veins. So yeah, that all works. Um, let's get right into the news of this week. And we do have quite a bit, but we are going to try to condense it. I want to let each and every one of you know, I've been reaching out to different people that have been listening to the podcast on a regular basis. And um, I am going to try to keep these news updates to under 30 minutes as much as possible. If I can get them under 25 or 20, I'll do it. And I'm sorry, but preserving the Republic sometimes takes just a little longer than 20 minutes. Uh, Raz and I will do our best. Uh, We want to get to the information that's most important to you um, and do it in as concise a a way as possible. That way y'all can get about your very busy days. You know, conservatives generally uh, have a belief that government should stay out of their lives, meaning they actually want to wake up and go to sleep and not have to deal with a whole lot of government, either listening to what the government is doing or actually experiencing the government in their lives. So we appreciate that. And that being said, let's get right into this so we can be as efficient with our time. This week, the Texas House of Representatives passed its budget, and oh, was it a doozy of a budget. Let me explain just a handful of things. We just grew our budget uh, by nearly 16%, which is double the rate of population and inflation. This is larger than any budget than Texans have seen in over a decade, and it is in a Republican-controlled Senate, a Republican-controlled House, and with a Republican governor. We have yet to hear Greg Abbott's uh, opinions on the budget, whether he sees this as a big spend or whether he sees this as just part of doing business uh, when you're on the slow road to government growth. So we are awaiting his comments on it, but let's just talk about the general worldview that our appropriators seem to have and the problems that lie within that and what should concern each and every taxpayer. We came into this budget with a $4.4 billion surplus. Now, everyone should know what that means, but that basically means that we got an end of the year bonus. Okay. Our comptroller tells us how much money he thinks we're going to bring in. We budget how much money the comptroller tells us we're going to collect in tax revenue. If we collect more, we then have unappropriated funds. And we had $4.4 billion of unappropriated funds. Most people were happy about that because we did have Hurricane Harvey in the Houston area and down the Gulf Coast. And so we had billions of dollars of infrastructure needs and uh, spending on schools that had uh, damage and other things like that that needed to be spent. And so we had this surplus to be able to spend it. We also came in with a very healthy budget estimate. Glenn Hager seemed to be a little less conservative than he has been in his first budget estimate and told the legislature that he thinks the Texas economy is going to continue to do well. And in fact, it's going to grow and therefore they will have a lot of money. Now, if you want to know how much money they have, 
I'll just give you a quote from Dr. John Zerwas, who's the Texas House Appropriations Chairman. He's the chairman who writes the budget. And he said, he told Evan Smith on his podcast, actually, I don't know if he'd come on this podcast, but John Zerwas said, Evan, we have a lot of money, more money than I have ever seen in my time as an appropriator since 2007. So bear in mind that we have more money, we think we have more money than any time since John Zerwas's time as appropriator, and we have a very healthy savings account. Now, when I say very healthy savings account, this is something that most people have a very hard time understanding. We have a $15 billion savings account, okay? It's a little under $15 billion, and if you're a big-spending Republican or Democrat, you see that as free money. You see that as way too large. But if you understand the fact that every time we get together and budget, we budget well over $200 billion and that we have hundreds of billions of dollars of debt, including local debt, including bonds, including unfunded liabilities within our pension system and problems that lie within that, you would understand that $15 billion is not very much money. So I want to set the stage appropriately for that. So the Texas House brought a budget to the floor, which grew government by double what population inflation is. Not only did it do that, not only did it spend the lot of money the so much money that John Zerwas says we have after spending the surplus that we came in with, but they also want to spend $6.6 billion from the state's savings account to increase their cost of living. Now, I can only hope that Dr. Zerwas and Senator Jane Nelson and Dennis Bodden and Dan Patrick and Greg Abbott, all the people that will be the main people responsible for this budget are not handling their personal finances for the next two years in the same way that this Texas budget handles the finances of the state of Texas. I want you to take a second and think about if you got a end of the year bonus that you came into this year with and you got a 15, 10, I don't know, 20% increase, a pay raise, and you were sitting on two months of living expenses, which by the way, Dave Ramsey would tell you that's not enough. So we have not even hit the Dave Ramsey level of savings account in our savings. If that was your personal financial situation, would you spend all of your bonus, plan on living off of 100% of your income, not saving any of it, and plan on taking over 40% of your savings account and spending it on one-time expenses and some on just ongoing expenses, just increasing the cost of living that you have, increasing your cost of living. It would be incredibly irresponsible. And that is what it looks like the state is prepared to do. Now, there was some hope that the Texas Senate would be the reasonable person in this argument, meaning that the budget that they originally proposed was significantly smaller than the House budget. But within 24 hours of the state House passing its incredibly bloated budget, the Senate came out and said, hey, just to let everyone know, we are coming in line with the House when it comes to their public education spending. We're going to put an additional $9 billion towards public education, only $2.7 billion of that going into property tax reform. And so they are coming right in line with the big spending ways of the Texas House, and they're getting right in line with, uh, with what they plan on doing there. So what does that mean for our budget? Our budget is now in the Senate. Jane Nelson will replace the House budget with the Senate's version of the budget. My hope is that it is smaller. The bad news is it doesn't look like they are intending to increase the amount of property tax relief provided. The Texas House Freedom Caucus did fight to make sure that the $2.7 billion of property tax relief that was in that existing budget 
uh, was set as a floor. So they did fight to make sure that that cannot be decreased at all. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't mean that we're in a in a good situation. It's very little property tax relief. By most numbers, the average Texan will receive $150 of property tax relief in this existing budget. So if you think that that is going to make an impact in the suburban areas that Republicans are trying to go in and win, think again. We need to seriously consider the ramifications that this type of big spending and lack of property tax relief will have on the 2020 election cycle when it comes to Republicans and Democrats trying to maintain control of the legislature. That's your budget update, and that gets us really quickly into property tax reform. Guys, when it comes to property tax reform, the Texas House has moved its property tax bill, and we should give Chairman Burroughs credit for this being a significantly more conservative property tax reform package than Joe Strauss ever let out of the Texas House. It's also worth saying that this is a bigger budget than Joe Strauss ever let out of the Texas House. So we're kind of in some ways better, and then in some ways we're bigger spenders. But that being said, it's a better property tax reform package in that way. Let me tell you the concerns. Um, under the proposal as it got to the Texas House, as it started, um, my calculations say that the average Texan would receive um, a property tax increase of about $70 a year if governments went up to the max. So we are going to cap people's property taxes at two and a half percent across the board. Um, and if that happened, you would see an average increase of $65. It'll change a lot. This is getting oversimplified because we have a school finance reform and that is going to change what if you're a donor district, if you're a recipient district of dollars when it comes to Robinhood, your property taxes are going to change. Okay. So if you're in Plano, you're probably a little better off right now than if you're in a district that's not donating significantly to Robinhood. That being said, the average property taxpayer maybe will see an increase of 65, 70, $75 a year if their local governments increase it to two and a half percent. Now, by the way, since every single local government in Texas is opposing this piece of legislation, you can assume that they want the power to increase above two and a half percent without the voters being forced to vote. So I think it's healthy to assume that they're probably going to at least increase it to two and a half percent, the amount that they're allowed to do without a vote of the public. What that means is that essentially, with such little property tax relief being prioritized currently by the governor, lieutenant governor, and speaker, and the property tax reform, you are likely to have a situation where the increase that you see in your property taxes over the next two years potentially is above what you actually received in property tax relief. And so for many communities, that will be the case. And again, Republicans are going to have to ask themselves if that's the type of message they want to run on going into the 2020 elections. The bad news from the Texas House is that they drew out school districts from property tax reform. Now, we got told from the beginning, guys, stop talking about property tax reform and relief because you can't do property tax reform and relief without doing school finance reform. And that was the talking point of the Democrat party that Republicans decided to start puppeting and that we have now championed. But here's what's interesting. You might actually end up in a legislative session where you do get school finance reform without property tax reform and without meaningful property tax relief. And that would be an even bigger travesty in a Republican held Texas House, Texas Senate and statewide offices. So we have a serious problem with the budget. We have a serious problem with property tax reform. There is still hope because there's less than 90 days to go. We have through the end of May and conservatives can get their act together and try to deliver for the people of Texas. Last but not least, Greg Abbott was at the Harris County Lincoln Reagan Day dinner and at it, he began to talk about the Green New Deal. And he said, quote, the Green New Deal is nothing more than socialism run amok. And by God, in the state of Texas, we will never 
adopt socialistic policies. Now, we should be grateful to ha- that we have a governor that says he will never adopt socialistic policies. One of the things I think it would be helpful um, for Texans to hear is what Greg Abbott defines as socialistic policies. And so, um, you know, we have a government that is about to grow significantly. We have proposals and policies making their way through the legislature that will grow government government's size and government's involvement in your lives on nearly every single level. And the question is, at what point are we crossing the line towards government control of your life? And and at what point are we actually standing for preserving the little bit of liberty that you as an individual Texan have? So I think it's a great question to ask Governor Abbott, what is your definition of socialistic policies? And what do you see the role of government as. You know, Raz, I know that you uh, and I are both big, pretty big fans of Den Crenshaw, um, who is a freshman congressman. And uh, in his Sunday special with Ben Shapiro, if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to go to YouTube or you can go on his normal podcast channel, but go to YouTube and just type in Dan Crenshaw, Ben Shapiro, Sunday special, or just those two names will get it for you. But he goes into the fundamental difference between what Republicans think and what Democrats think. And really, that is a discussion that we should have, and it's a distinction we should make. But with this type of budget, we need to recognize the fact that Republicans are no longer trying to be known as the party of less spending. They are no longer trying to be known as the party that does not believe that government is the solution to your problem. Because every time they see a problem, this session, they have looked for how government can solve that problem. Whether it be the mental health crisis, whether it be our problems that exist um, within I mean, every single one of societal needs, Dan Patrick is pushing government policies to get more broadband internet into rural areas. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is trying to prioritize raising the smoking age to 21. And it's just kind of absolute, it's absolutely ironic that we look at a problem and we see government as the solution as the Republican Party of Texas. When I say we, that's a loose term. Conservatives don't, but people who generally see government as the problem uh, the solution to the problem do. And, uh, you know, we, I, I remember watching black and white movies where you would see people smoking cigarettes left and right. And, uh, it was just the thing to do because nobody knew it wasn't good for you. Right. And today we have a situation, uh, in which many people have decided not to consume tobacco because we all know the health risks. And by the way, there are health risks, uh, of a lot of actions. Okay. If you're drinking soda every single day, that's a health risk. If you do anything else with your life that everyone knows is unhealthy, you should stop doing it. You should live a healthy lifestyle. I had a medical procedure today to get myself evaluated so that I ensure that I'm healthy. But you know what? Not only is government going to try to take over your health care and try to put you on a single payer system to deliver better health care, they're also going to tell you exactly what you can or can't do to stay as healthy as possible. And it's fundamentally a worldview problem. Now, I'm not saying that our lieutenant governor believes the government should mandate every single thing that will keep you healthy. I'm saying he doesn't seem to understand what he believes when it comes to the role of government in your lives because he will pick and choose when he thinks government should tell an adult exactly what to do. He wants to make it a criminal activity for a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old who can go sign up his life and go to war He wants to tell that person exactly what they can or can't consume when it comes to tobacco or an e-cigarette, smoke a pipe, smoke a cigar, 
uh, uh, you know, before you get married. Absolutely. Not in Texas, not in this free society. It's going to be illegal. So anyways, major problems and I am rambling and people want us to get them the news as quick as possible. So I am done. Raz, please tell us what is going on in this great nation that we all get to call, um, United States of America. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think we got over the speed problem we had earlier and we're back to, back to full speed. Luke Macias. <laughs> Done. All right, so uh, we're going to start off here in Chicago. So uh, many of you guys on the national side may have seen that Jesse Smollett, the guy who uh, who faked his own attack and had a just huge fraud of a crime that was was going on up in Chicago, he was completely let off the hook. the The attorney, the the, the city attorney, basically let him off with uh, let him forfeit his ten thousand dollar bond and do eighteen hours of community service with Jesse Jackson's uh, coalition. Um, which is nothing, and said, okay, we're fine. And that's in spite of the fact that the police officer, the police commissioner has said that we're talking about six figures easily spent on tracking down, investigating, and proving that this was a, it was a fake hate crime, it was a total hoax. There's been a lot that's been written and read about the situation. It's simply flabbergasting. And if you want to get an idea of how crazy this is, it's that I'm agreeing with Rahm Emanuel and David Axelrod. That never happens, Luke. Yep. And if it did on another thing, you'd look at me and say, Raz, I don't know what this is about, but if you're agreeing with those guys, you're wrong. <laughs> they just don't believe the same things I do. But I'm, I'm honestly incredibly proud with the way that these guys have stood up and said this is wrong. If you want to see more about it, just Google Jesse Smollett, Rahm Emanuel, or David Axelrod. And I, 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 when I watched the press conference with, uh, with Rahm Emanuel as Chicago mayor, it was phenomenal. He is he is livid. He sees it as a as the absolute uh, breach of trust with the city of Chicago, with the situation, and and it, he sees it the same as the police com uh, chief does, as far as being very very harmful because it's going to give a model for others to follow of saying hey you can get enormous attention, fame, and op potentially opportunity by faking these things. It's going to yep. further uh, use police resources across this country and sets an incredibly bad precedent. Um, part of the part of the concern and part of why I'm especially proud of those two guys is that there are other people that they've been in the orbit with that have been part of pushing to get these things dropped. Other former yeah. Obama aides and people that are good friends with the Obamas. So it's it, there's a personal cost to them as far as their relationships with the Obamas and with other people that they've worked a lot with over the last couple of decades to doing this. So I want to, in a rare, if not <laughs> uh, possibly yep. only time, I want to give them incredible hats off because they are they are st standing up for the right thing. It's the, I think it's the first time I've ever retweeted David Axelrod. Yes. Um, but I don't know if you did. And if you didn't, then, well, Raz, you know, some of us believe in this issue more than others. But the <laughs> point is that David actually tweeted, I'm going to read it real quick and then you get to your next issue. But it says, unless, some, this is from David Axelrod, okay? Unless some better explanation surfaces, here's the lesson of this weird turn in the Smollett case. You can contrive a hate crime, make it national news, get caught. And if you are a well-connected celebrity, Get off with $10,000 and have your record expunge and files sealed. And, you know, those are the facts that exist within yes. the deal that was cut. Um, and I, I thought it was hilarious because I watched the press conference with Jesse Smollett's lawyer and she kept saying, there was no deal cut. There was no deal cut. And it's like, I'm pretty sure this, this is the definition of, of a deal. So, um, and Jesse Smollett, I think it was Rahm Emanuel who said, you know, this guy said he wanted his day in court. Let's give him his day in court, yep. you know, and, and the prosecutors took away his day in court. 
because he absolutely would not have been proven innocent. Well, I shouldn't say absolutely. You're, you're innocent until proven guilty. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't think anybody believed that he would have been found innocent had he been given a day in court. And instead, he was allowed to cut this. Okay, so tell us, tell us the next thing on your list, Raz. Well, tying in quickly with that, the fact that he was willing to let those two, the two brothers that he paid, go down for this and not bear pers- take personal responsibility is an aggravating factor that I find heinous. Yep. Tied into the Chicago situation was an article that I think is going to be getting bigger and bigger attention because I think it's the leading edge of a problem we're seeing and the result of a lot of of, uh, of irresponsibly anti-police rhetoric. And I'll be the first one to say that I do believe there are problems in the way that we police and that we need to do a lot to hold those men and women to a high standard. But what we saw in Chicago this last weekend was there were literally there was a, tact, a team of tactical officers who was making a, an arrest on a violent suspect. And they were mobbed by people from the neighborhood. And they were literally afraid of their life. They had multiple people coming up around them and saying they had guns and were going to shoot these guys if they didn't arrest them. And because the pressure these guys were under and because of the scrutiny that they were under, in spite of the fact they were fear for their life, instead, they, they just released the suspect. And he's now out in the wind. I believe that we're going to see a lot more of this. And this is incredibly problematic when you see officers that are afraid to... They're afraid to enforce the law because they they know they're going to attack, get attacked either way. And those guys had to make a choice between holding their suspect and potentially being being killed or having to kill someone else in order to protect themselves and letting them go. They chose to let them go, which I honestly have a hard time disagreeing with given what they were the pressures they were under. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a growing problem, and we need to be thinking about this rhetoric and about the ways that we both reform policing as well as the ways that we're going to back up people and provide protections there. Yep. Next issue is kind of going back to immigration. That's a topic we've been covering a lot. Uh, the Border Patrol is under incredible pressure. Right now, they're having to close checkpoints across the border because they're undermanned and they're getting overwhelmed by folks illegally coming across the border. Uh, a couple, Several weeks in a row, we've hit over 4,000 on, on single days. This last week, we hit some new decade highs as far as over 4,000 people a day on last Monday and last Wednesday that were apprehended. Now, that's apprehensions. That's not complete. That's not total numbers. We're fixing, by the end of March, we're going to pass that 100K total number in a month, which is a decade high since back in 08. This is, this is a huge problem. And uh, to too many liberals and Democrats are saying, oh, it's not a big deal. We don't need to have any solutions. But the fact of the matter is that just doing nothing is condoning the problem. It's accepting that. Mm-hmm. And we're, we have a border patrol that is overworked, that's underfunded, and doesn't have enough people and judges to take care of the problem. We got to do something about that. And inaction yeah. is simply not an option. Yeah. Number three, mentioning something you talked about as far as the Green New Deal and, and what the, the conversation with Crenshaw. We talked about how McConnell was handled this differently than Pelosi, that Pelosi was not going to give hearings or votes on the issue in the House because they don't want to let Democrats have the opportunity to be uh, to be forced to take a stand on this issue. Well, Mitch McConnell, he he pushed and allowed a floor vote on AOC's plan. No Democrats for, voted for it. They tried to, to they, and she even tried to take credit for it and say, I'm, I'm supporting this. They don't need to vote for it. This is ridiculous. We need to have hearings first, which frankly will only make them look worse. But they they said, okay, don't vote for this. They had three Democrats, uh, Sinema of Arizona, Manchin of West Virginia, and Jones of Alabama, uh, three people in swing states that uh, that Republicans may win that voted against it. So it was a 57-0 vote in the Senate to kill the Green New Deal. Um, the Democrats, you know, if they get their wish of having 
uh, of, of having these hearings, that's going to be a wish they, they would will future hope they never got. Hmm. Lastly, uh, on the pro- issue of pro-life, uh, the, the pro-life expansion that we're seeing as far as some good news there, uh, President Trump and his administration announced an expansion of the Mexico City policy. That's basically a long-time policy that the United States does not fund, uh, does not provide foreign aid or give NGOs money that can be used for abortions. They put a ban on that. Two things that they added to that that not only reinstated it, which he did early in his administration, but strengthened it, were that he closed a loophole that allowed pass-through funding. So it's where previously you could have U.S. money go to a, a NGO or a foreign nonprofit, and then they could give that to a government or another organization that would fund, fund abortions. And Got so it. they closed that loophole, and that was being utilized heavily. And second, they added a lobbying ban. So the monies that we provide cannot be used to lobby other governments or other organizations to provide those things. Those are two significant things that expand the Mexico City policy, and I think the Trump administration should be should be heralded for for those expansions. They're they're real and they will save lives. I appreciate your update, Raz. I'm going to bring one other thing in Texas up, and then we're going to wrap this up. But I do think it's worth talking about. Briscoe Kane, Representative Briscoe Kane from Baytown, actually brought to light a um, a mandated uh, class activity from a seventh grade teacher in his district. And we're very grateful for him to bring this to light. But I, w- I want to give you a, a picture, Raz, of the type of stuff going on within Texas classrooms today. So this seventh grade teacher required her students to read an essay titled Trump Against American Values. Okay, So they were required to read it. And the uh, exercise was to teach them how a reader could infer something from something they read. And then she asked them. So then the students read this essay. And it says... What should the reader infer from this essay? Question mark. And the students are given four options. One, the United States will impeach Donald Trump. Two, other Americans are also offended by Donald Trump. Three, Mexican Americans are the major group upset with Donald Trump. And four, future generations will have to deal with racism. And the interesting thing about this type of indoctrination is this completely gets away from education. It is a major problem within our public education system. If you would like to actually look at a picture of the class assignment, you can go to lukemacias.com. It is there. It's the first story on our website. And you can see the actual class assignment that was given to these students. We're grateful to Representative Kane for bringing this type of stuff to light. It's incredibly important for us to know going into public education reform and school finance reform when we're writing these massive amounts of checks into the public education system to also recognize the fact that we've got to hold local educators accountable to making sure that they are actually educating and not indoctrinating. Um, That is a major problem we have. If you are a listener to this podcast, we want to thank you so much for your willingness um, to continue. Uh, We are going to uh, wrap up today and go to our sponsorship. So you will get that in just a second, just a, a short ad from our sponsor. But we're very grateful for your willingness to listen. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do so. All that does is make sure that you get a notification when we provide new content. You can do it on YouTube. You can do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those channels, any in all places that you get your podcasts. Um, if you have not 
put a review in or rated the show, please consider doing that, going on, rating it, just writing a quick review on what you get from the show. We'd appreciate it. Send us feedback. You can go to lukemacias.com and just go to the contact section. Send us a note if there's a topic you want us to cover, if there's somebody you want us to consider having on the show, we'd be more than happy to get your feedback from you. Um, we want to encourage each and every one of you that to preserve liberty within this state, it is going to take an active group uh, of citizens dedicated to government ceasing its ever-growing march towards controlling our lives. And uh, we look forward to working alongside each and every one of you as the years go on in doing that. And we hope that this podcast is just one small part of that battle. Thank you so much. Um, Raz, where can people find you, uh, find out more about you? Where do they go? Where do they go on social? Whatever it is. Go to raz.us is my personal website. It has my constant information and social links all right there. Awesome. Very good. Thank you guys for joining us today. Have a blessed week. Guys, today's show is sponsored by Direct Action Texas. You can visit them at directactiontx.com. Direct Action Texas is a political advocacy organization in the DFW area. They focus on four main areas, uh, government transparency, government ethics, public debt, civil liberties. They have a single mission. It's to help the grassroots take action in changing local government. On top of that, they have become the premier organization, the leading voice when it comes to uh, voter fraud, election fraud, voter integrity. Um, Daniel Greer is their new executive director, and he is doing work in the Capitol. He's doing work um, in the grassroots, writing about, researching voter fraud all across the state of Texas, election fraud that we are dealing with here in our in our state. We need that organization actively involved. If you want to be engaged in what they're doing, if you want to be informed as to what they're being involved in, go to directactiontx.com, directactiontx.com, sign up to be on their email list, make a small donation, support the efforts they're doing. It's well worth your time. It's well worth your effort. I would greatly encourage you to check them out. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, Subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit LukeMacias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.